Well, Dan, it seems like there's been another athlete who's tripped over his own tongue slash keyboard slash feet when it comes to Twitter with uh, your old pal Davey Warner. Little Dave, little Davey Warner. We always thought that they were referring to his height, but maybe it was the size of his brain. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I was going to say I automatically assumed it was some sort of penis reference. So I'm, I'm going to have to question your use of the term athlete there as well. Yeah. The only athletic work he's been doing lately are his fingers on the phone, tweeting away, and yeah. having a feral crack at, arguably, probably alongside John Townsend, the two best cricket journalists in this country. Yeah. So, it's not... I mean, what can you say? You, you can't really say anything. Well, I, I think I think, Mal- I think Malcolm kind of flushed him right between the eyes with his bouncer. Yeah. I mean... I'm trying. <laughs> You'd like to present some sort of fair and balanced assessment of it, but it's defending the indefensible, really. Yeah. Saying, trying to, to trying to uh, yeah, defend him in any way. I mean, he's, the guy's just a fucking tool. And I think the one good thing to come from this is that it's uh, absolutely drawn a black line through his happy aspirations once and for all. Yeah. So I guess let's take that positive from it, and also for, again the fact that he's reinforced his status as a big fuck in Australian cricket, yeah. world cricket. Let's go with that. And um, I think what's more, more importantly is that now I think the whole country knows it too. Yeah. There's nothing like advertising your own uh, douchebaggery. Yeah. Well, you know, having a go at Craddock for for not saying anything nice, as I said, Malcolm Kine absolutely tore him one in the conversations. You know, Australians having high expectations of their cricketers often on and off the field. Bit hard to write nice things when you lose four zero. I mean yeah, couldn't say it any couldn't say anything better than that. Yeah. Quite frankly. And I mean he's he's having it he's criticizing the IPL. Yeah. Now in what way, shape or form is the IPL above criticism? I mean, we've just seen the spot fixing scandal about which there has been almost a deafening silence from most of the uh you know, official um, officials and uh, personalities associated with the IPL. So someone has to come out and say these things. Yeah. And for Warner to then come out and have a go at him for doing so, well, yeah, Davey, we know that this is your little, you know, six-figure payday, but for fuck's sake, when something's a blight on the game to that extent, you expect two respected and experienced cricket journalists to just hold their tongues, do you? Yeah, but I, I mean, more to the point, what do you really think is there... As a cricketer, that you're going to be smart enough to win a war of words with somebody who does that for a living? Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty. There have been a few good um, reaction tweets um, uh, uh, on the uh, Twitter, yeah, Twitter sphere today and um, Twitterverse or whatever yeah. it's called. Um, the the uh, world of tweets. And Davey's certainly filling his role quite adequately, you could say. <laughs> One of them was that apparently um, Davey Warner's uh, Twitter account was hacked by two people last night, namely Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Jo- I'm surprised Johnny didn't didn't join him for the trifecta. <laughs> That's right, yes. And if, if you're an athlete and you're on Twitter, don't don't feed the trolls because the trolls will smack you back to earth. Let's just say, if you're an athlete, don't be on Twitter. That would be my, in all seriousness, that would be my advice. Don't yeah. be on Twitter. What? There's yeah. no pos- There's nothing positive that can come from it. Yeah, so that's our advice to the youngsters 
Yeah. Most of the athletes of the world today. And uh, that, that, of course, that advice has come from at Dan the Action Man. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we promise, we promise um, that it's more educational than, a, than your average Davy Water tweet. <laughs> if I didn't, I think I'd kill myself right now. <laughs> Look, one of the significant sacrifices that I attempted to make during the week was to, yeah, try and watch um, the first episode of the new series of Australia's Celebrity Apprentice. Now, admittedly, this was at least 98%, you know, Steph Rice (laughs) masturbation motivated. But I tried, okay? Fancy a bit of fried rice. Yeah, I I really, really tried to to watch this program. The thing that worries me about... Australia's Celebrity Apprentice in particular is that they actually have to explain to you why somebody's a celebrity in Yeah, the they're place. using the word celebrity a, a tad loosely here, you'd have to say. Like, just because someone appeared on The Voice last season, I mean, that covers around 4,000 people these days. Which one was she? Ah, it doesn't matter. She's getting voted off this week anyway. But that brings me to the nadir, I think, of the episode. It, there was a, it was a close-fought thing, you know, Dawn Fraser announcing that winning celebrity Apprentice would be right up there with her first gold medal. I think quite a significant part of me died inside when I heard her say that. So that was when I realised that I was not long for this reality TV world. But to give me, you know, you're going to give me my dues. I did manage to stick it out until the end of the episode. However, I noticed with around 20 minutes still to go in the episode, as they were cutting to the commercial break, desperately trying to show you, you know, glimmers of hope in the remaining footage of the program, they showed the actual footage of hit the boss saying you're fired which was fair enough except for the fact that he happened to be facing about 80 degrees to his right so it was pretty fucking obvious that whoever was getting fired was well and truly over to his right now I naively thought to myself oh, it might just be you know file footage or something from last season or something like that but no within the final boardroom or whatever the fuck they call that thing it became very clear that one of the potential targets for Fireage happened to be sitting on his far right. And I sat there, sort of, you know, stroking my thing, pondering, pond- stroking my beard, stroking my thing. <laughs> Yeah. And I sat there... Keep it above the waist, yeah. given that you were talking oh, about Stephanie Rice earlier. I sat there, sort of, you know, <laughs> stroking my newly discovered beard, pondering things over, going, you know what? I reckon that chick on the right might be getting fired. I don't know what's making me think... Oh, yes, I do. It's because I saw it happen in the promo, like, 20 minutes ago. So not only is this program so stupid that they're willing to show the, you know, the final climactic conclusion to the episode, but apparently the viewers are also that stupid that they don't even notice it. Well, they notice it. Well, well, did they? Was there some sort of, you know, backlash saying, way to go, Channel 9, you know, 20 minutes from the end of the episode, we realised we could stop watching now? In which case, that probably was Channel 9 doing its viewers a favour. So, you know, we'll give them some humanitarian points for that. But for fuck's sake, guys, seriously, that is just absolutely amateurish editing. Worthy of being Lara Bingle or the Shire. So, come on, pull the finger out, pull yourself together, and and see if you can force Stephanie Rice to flaunt about in a low-cut bikini for the rest of the season. (laughs) Viewer figures will raise, as will a part of my anatomy. 
This is that that's just started up on TV recently that, to be quite frank, it's giving me the shits. Well said. Ford EcoBoost. Oh, is that the one with the... That's the one. Yes, I, I feel your pain, my friend. Didn't we do a, uh, a mention in one of the iPod for Hells that any time you hear whistling in a song, it's a bad sign? Yeah. We can uh, now that extend a... that to television commercials yeah. as well, on the basis that of was, the That was my bold call, is that I couldn't think of a good song that had whistling in it. Not so bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, bold but somewhat factual. But I'm yeah, the like, whole... Oh my God, he hit the accelerator. Wow. That car is not a lemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am thoroughly convinced of that fact. And as that guy who started whistling, oh, oh, boy, boy, you have egg on your face. It continues the uh, the current trend of crappy Ford ads. You've got the guy who, I'm not a father anymore. I'm a roadie. Really, really. And we are no, just you're not. for you. No, you're not, mate. You're a fuckwit. <laughs> Ford fuckwit. Let's go with that. <laughs> Advertise that. Didn't quite get past the concept stage before Ford Fuckwit. Although the alliteration did, did count in its favour. Maybe that's why the focus came up. But then you've also got the... Uh, in the focus groups. Yeah, in the focus groups. But that went a lot better than the Fuckwit groups. Although those guys were more likely to drive Ford, so... What are you going Coupled, I think the one before that was the girl who, for some for some reason, needed to take two pairs of shoes with her when she was filling a car up with petrol. I'm, I'm it's got a compartment for me to put my second set of shoes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the front seat. Yeah. I can also <laughs> store three different outfits in the boot. <laughs> what an innovative design. <laughs> That's it. You can throw out your wardrobe. <coughs> You've got a Ford now. <laughs> or alternatively, you could just chuck your second pair of shoes in the back seat like everyone else does. Yeah. I don't know. Someone should make an ad about that. Yeah. I, I would watch that. Well, Jade, it's fair to say that I'm a pretty big aficionado of the um, the fantasy footy competition on the ESPN website, <coughs> more so than the than the uh, AFL sanctioned Dream Team version. And I have started to improve my my uh, results throughout the course of the year. Last year, I, last week, I managed to finish 32nd for the round, up into 179th overall. So when you see a Humble score, like that, yeah, but well, don't worry, there is there is quite a downfall coming. <laughs> Just, just, just stay tuned. When you see a result like 32nd across the website, you'd think, ah, oh, all my head-to-head leagues, I'll be fine, right? Wrong. Happened to be playing the guy who finished 8th across the website this week, and he towed me up by a fairly handy 72 points. So, you know, I've, I've learned to deal with these sorts of <laughs> sucker punches to the scrotum throughout the course of my long and checkered Dream Team history. Caught that on the chin and prepared to move on with my life. And that was greatly aided by the fact that the fixture was telling me that my opponent for this week was Bagman's Bagman. (laughs) Who, out of the five games I'd played against all the other opponents in the league, so far remained my only win. These are the four experts from Dream Team Tour. So I thought, oh well, you know, what better way to sort of bounce back from that disappointment where I would have beaten any other player in the comp by about 100 but happened to lose to the one guy who outscored me. Let's just, yeah, pound away on the bag man's hapless <laughs> hapless shambles of a team and all we roll with the world. Right? Wrong. 
a seventh member decided to join our competition. You know, as you do after five weeks of the season have gone past, you think, hey, there's a competition where all of the teams have played each other once. They look ready for me to insert myself. So, needless to say, that's obviously going to impact the fixtures, which I accept. That's fair enough, you know. Pounding the bag man would have to wait till another week. <laughs> However... Uh, yeah, or just another normal Friday night for you, maybe. <laughs> it depends whether he's down from Cal or not, so... Either in fantasy or in and, person, and it's, it's going to happen. And he's up for it. <laughs> so, you know, that's fair enough. But then, I decide, oh, I'd better check out the revised fixtures. Fixtures, see who I'm playing this week. I'm playing the exact same guy as last week. And not only that, but one of the other matchups from last week is also repeated this week. So in a six-team league, where a seventh player has suddenly joined, what does the fixturing algorithm on fantasy footy tips decide to do? Oh, we'll just have two double-headers. Four of the now seven teams will play each other twice in a row. And I don't play the bag man again till round 12, when the vagaries of the bye round will probably allow him to, you know, at least avoid the extent of anal rapage for which he was otherwise due. But double-header against the same opponent. Now, granted, it is an AFL competition, so they've probably used the same sort of system that the AFL now use fixturing, whereby it's possible to play the same team twice in seven weeks and not play one of the other teams until, say, round 20 in the season. But come on, when there are two repeat fixtures the next week, you'd think it would say, hmm, maybe we'll switch a couple of those teams up to at least make it a different opponent this week. No, they've gone with a double, double header. So, look, there it is. <laughs> It's fair to say it's raining shit on Mr. Cricketers right now. And, yes, what do you have to say about this? For once, do you actually agree that I've been reasonably hard done by in this regard? Quite frankly, I don't give a shit. Jeez. <laughs> Meanwhile, the bagman's probably... And this is the other thing, yeah! The bagman received the bye. So, in round six of the season, where we've suddenly got seven debutants entering the fantasy competition at a dollar each, he's made eight trades this week, knowing full well that he can bank the cash because he's not playing an opponent this week. So now I have to face a rejuvenated bagman after having a, a double-header against the toughest opponent in the competition where he's just been able to say, I'm going to take a week off and just <laughs> yeah, gather, gather my troops across the border. So that will be the third act of this riveting saga of <laughs> angst. <laughs> Well, Jeej, as anyone who's not currently living under a rock would be aware, there's a bit of a, an ongoing scandal in the AFL regarding the use of peptides, and we expect it to be ongoing for at least the next six to eight years until everyone's forgotten what the original well, until, point until, was. Until, until all the players have retired and... And therefore the life bans can be imposed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah that's, just, that's punishment AFL style. Anyway... Yep, although we don't really understand what they did, so... But yeah, moving on, much. I think that the, the, we haven't defined cheating yet. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, we haven't but, defined it, but we know that they yeah. did it. So we, you know, we'll find them a yeah. hundred thousand dollars. You're gonna find them without defining. That's yeah. cheating. <laughs> <laughs> But look, the, I, the comment you just used to describe it was, yeah, the, the players had a little pep in their step, which brought me to a football code of a far less just disgraceful variety. <laughs> 
and that is the Champions League. And the <coughs> question... question proved to be that for the Spanish team. No, th- I mean, the question I will throw out there now is a little facetiously, but let's go with it anyway, is was the, the uh, so-called greatness of Barcelona, did that all just der- derive primarily from... Pep Guardiola and Lionel Messi because without those two they just got pantsed 7-0 for fuck's sake 7-0 3-0 at home oh do you want to hear team that didn't even need to attack yeah but Jordan, I'll explain how I sort of viewed the match I had Sort of dozed in and out during the first half. Saw it got to nil all at half time. And to be honest, after about the first 20 minutes had passed without a goal, I thought, oh, it's probably safe here. And then I turned on again at I think it was the 72 minute mark and saw the score and I was like, oh, okay. Barcelona have got a couple of goals here. This is getting interesting. And then I hear Martin Tyler coming over the top, just going, well, Barcelona are just waiting around for the final whistle now. And I was like, what the fuck's he talking about? And then I looked closer at the the score in the top left hand corner and I realised that that two was to the right of a zero <laughs> that two was not the Barcelona score those, uh, those accounting and maths that... degrees really served you well then didn't they well, come on. it was like 3.30 in the morning and to be honest if you had switched on that game at the 72nd minute and had seen a two somewhere in the corner wouldn't you have just assumed oh Barcelona have scored twice no oh, for fuck's sake Seriously, what's he giving me to work with here? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. I stand by it. I was half a. I'm not going to protect you from your own idiocy. Idiocy. Put it that oh, way. Yeah. It's idiocy to assume that Barcelona were more likely to have scored two goals at home than Bayern Munich. <laughs> it's idiocy not being able to read a simple score on a. On As I said, I was half asleep. I didn't have my glasses on. I was sort of just dozing, looking up in the corner. You know, it was three thirty in the morning or whatever. My fandom only goes so far for soccer. But I mean, what what do you make of this? Barcelona, what sort of odds would you have gotten on Barcelona going down 7-0 to any team at, you know, in any home and away combination of legs? What's good contribution there, bag man? Like, I reckon you would have got four thousands. figures. Yeah, yeah four thousands. figures. Yeah. Thousands, I think, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but can we now suspect that? That Barcelona sans Messi? Yeah. They're a little, shaky. Bit, they're a little bit messier. Yeah, shaky. Mm. You have to worry about... Well, I mean, look, the, que- the question mark everybody realistically had about Barcelona was that their defence was always a little bit shaky anyway. Oh, but it doesn't really matter, though. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... that's, that's you can outscore your opponents. But, but I would have said that's when more you're level at Real Madrid than, than well, Barcelona, I, I would thought. It's apt for both of those teams. But mm. when they're, I guess the, when they're basically playing a competition which is a competition within a competition, those two versus everyone else. coming Inception-esque. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's, you know, the, 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 the Spanish competition is those two playing in a league of their own mm. with uh, everybody, else, own. everybody else fighting the, fighting the battle for third. Mm. So at the end of the semi-final legs... So at the end of the Champions League semi-final legs, it's the Bundesliga 11, La Liga 3. There you have it. And can I just point out that my prediction of Borussia Dortmund is looking pretty damn impressive right now. They're in the final, baby. Just one more game to go. And then, well, I'll get at least six months of gloating out of this. Oh, it is going to be fucking sweet. In recent times, I've been catching a bit of storage wars. 
interesting show, but it's it's right for a piss taco. It it really is, isn't it? Yeah. The, the way I see it, because of all the sort of you know isolated moments of outrage and disappointment that they have on the various episodes each week, you know, exhibited by yeah. different couples with different things. Yeah. Daryl Sweet's not speaking geek, for instance. You well, know, the guy. Well, it's a party popper, but yeah. it's already been popped. <laughs> That's my all-time favourite storage wars line. And, yeah. and that comes to you from the Barry Hall School of Commentary. The, or the, the, Barry, the Barry Weiss School, as it is, actually is. One and the there same. Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, a merger. Yeah. But the, the way I'd like to see it done is sort of in, yeah, in the stylings of a, a, you know, a <laughs> sadistic Japanese game show whereby it would be a program just singularly devoted to the, the crushing of uh, one particular individual on the show through them repeatedly and mercilessly being shafted time and time again. <laughs> See, I, I like to go the other way. I'd, I'd like to have two red bidders who just happen to be drug addicts and they're pulling up the... Uh, and and any, up the any casting agents yeah. out there, I'd be willing to yeah. throw my hand to the mix for that one. Pulling up the roller door and seeing a meth lab... <laughs> and then you see these two guys bidding it up and up and up yeah. and up and up. Both of whom could be dressed as the two main characters from Breaking Bad. <laughs> or alternatively, Tyrone Biggins from The Chappelle Show. That would work too. Yeah. yeah. You know, or potentially just, you know, rolling up the door and seeing a homeless guy copping a squat. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey! A little privacy here? Fuck! <laughs> $20. Seriously? <laughs> Great potential. Just, yeah, there is a lot, but... I do just think it would be fun. You, what we could do then is um, include <coughs> Tom Waterhouse as part of our commentary team to provide to provide live betting odds on how many episodes it would take for this the hapless Shaftee to finally crack and kill everyone around him. And it's interesting, Tom Waterhouse. He does know what punters want. It's inside information from his mum. Well, I don't know. I think it might be time for Singo to release some <laughs> some competing advertisements, don't you reckon? Yeah, I reckon they'd yeah. get you know pretty good a pretty Tom, good response from the. We kind of do. I guess viewers. I guess we kind of do know how he does it now. It's inside information from Mummy Dearest. I reckon Singo could just stand there and say, "I know what punters want," <laughs> and add not featuring Tom Waterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I know. I know what punters want, Tom. <laughs> Waterhouse to die a slow and painful death. <laughs> what more can be said? Not much. And we'd also like for that slow and painful death to be captured on film and then shown on network television with the monotonous, relentless frequency which his uh, current adverts are being shown. So, you know, like four out of every five ad breaks in the football, it's, I know what punters want. Oh, yes! This is the footy Tom Waterhouse dying! No, I love this. Ah, oh, the footy's back on. No, it'll probably be on next day. I just want to see, I just want live odds for uh, how long he's going to survive for. Oh, oh how, how good would that be? Yeah, there could need to be some sort of, you know, bonus that if if Mummy Dearest <laughs> if Mummy Dearest bails him out, you get your money back. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And he gets his job back. <laughs>